GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, the Arcade Phantom. Hey, Craig, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Yeah, you really doing good. You ready to flash back to the past? I, I mean, are you referring to the '90s or the '70s? Oh God, they're so far away! Now. <laughs> so, so far, far away. away! So, oh God, '74. Oh. Think of how long that is. That's a long time. It was before we were born. Yeah. So we're covering The Way We Was. And Sean, when did this episode first air? January 31st, 1991. Mm-hmm. And this first episode, to give us a backstory, Marge regales the Simpson family with the story of how she and Homer first began dating. Uh, now, Sean, uh, what did you have, uh, what was going on in the world, uh, uh, you know, around this time in uh, uh, 1991? So we talk a lot about video games here, but sure. for those who don't know, Craig really likes tabletop role-playing games. I do. I'm. Uh, if you're unaware, I do a show called Noobs and Dragons, which is uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, podcast. And uh, uh, as of the time of this recording, season one is starting to kind of uh, gear down. We're going to jump to season two. It's pretty exciting stuff. I love Dungeons and Dragons, and I know you do too. I do, but there's also another role-playing system that I love. Mm-hmm. And a new publisher came into the tabletop gaming scheme at this time. Oh, White Wolf Games. White Wolf Vampire the Masquerade. Wow. So I, I, uh, this is probably going to be a little uh, bit more obscure for for fans of uh, you know my uh, my shows here. But I, I, Sean and I have played uh, a, a vampire or a rendition of vampire for oh wow what like like. 15 years. 15 years. 15 years now. Wow. Yeah, we've been playing a long time. And uh, Vampire is fun. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade is a a ton of fun. It's a cool system. It's a D10 system instead of D20. So it's a a little bit uh, more unique. And, uh, uh, well, I say unique compared to Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, you know, there's a ton of D10 systems out there. Uh, But, no, it's absolutely uh, worth looking into, uh, especially if you're into, like, that, like, modern gothic kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of storytelling. And Vampire the Masquerade has actually gotten a few video games. A lot of the White Wolf systems have. Hunter the Reckoning got a few video oh, games. That's right. That Hunter game was garbage. Yeah, it was kind of like Gauntlet, except for it was like super hard to the max. Oh, God, yeah. It was so difficult. It, it was, was needlessly difficult. It, it, it was It was like Hunter, where you <laughs> walk out and a gargoyle smashes you to a billion pieces right away and you're dead. That sounds... I guess that sounds about You're an right. average guy fighting a gargoyle, and all you've got is a stake and a pistol. <laughs> all right, yeah, you're not wrong. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. I love that game system quite a bit. Sean and I have been playing uh, for years. Uh, our, if you're familiar with Legend of Retro, we've talked about uh, our buddy Tans, who uh, is an uh, expert at uh, uh, Smash Brothers. He runs that uh, game system for us uh, on occasion, so, you know, ton of fun. So what's going on in the news, Craig? Ah, so the Persian Gulf War is raging on. Uh, And as of the time of uh, this episode airing, uh, the night before, a battle had taken place uh, in the Saudi Arabian city of Kafji. Uh, The Iraq army occupied the city, and 12 U.S. Marines ended up dying in the battle, which is uh, definitely a shame. 
Uh, however, we destroyed in this battle 41 tanks, captured 23 prisoners, and when General H. Norman Schwarzkopf, who I've mentioned before on uh, this show, was asked how many Iraqi soldiers were killed, he said it was irrelevant. Just didn't even answer. When asked about the occupation of the city and their victory, he said, when you walk into an uninhabited place, it's not much of a military victory. At the uh, this stage of the war, the U.S. was still paranoid about the efficiency of the Iraq army. Uh, and the newspaper remarked that in the battle, no T-72 tanks were destroyed. Now, are you a big tank buff, Sean? I'm not a big tank buff, Craig. So the T-72 is... Uh, a post-World War II model of tank. All the Iraq army had otherwise were pre-World War II, you know, or during World War II tanks, you know, uh, uh, a little outdated at this time. Uh, but specifically, those T-72 tanks were used by the Republican Guard, which was Saddam Hussein's elite force. And uh, as far as that goes, uh, people in the West were leery. They thought that they were going to pose a very, very staunch uh, uh, threat uh, to the American army and the, the coalition, uh, which is, you know, of course, more than America, Australia and Canada and England, uh, among, I think, some other nations, too. Woot! Go my Canadian brothers. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, and yeah, as far as that goes, uh, uh, Sean, uh, we will eventually learn that the Republican Guard can't withstand the force of America and its coalition. But regardless, at this time in the war, uh, they were really paranoid. They made sure to mention in the news, like, yeah, we destroyed a lot of tanks, but not the Republican Guard. They were still big to do. It's super weird to think that they had tanks from World War II. Oh, yeah. Because it's, what, 50 years post-World War II almost at that point? Just about. Yeah, I mean. 91, yeah. Pretty about close. Almost 50 years. Pretty close. Uh, but I mean, here's the thing, you know, like, yeah, technology improves, but some things like tanks, I mean, a tank in World War II and 10 years down, like, after that, not a huge difference, I don't think. I mean, like, yeah, for, for the real tank buffs out there, I'm sure there are some definitely some big differences. But, like, I feel like tank technology, I don't know that it's advanced too much further than, like, what it was like in World War II. It's kind of crazy to think about because now we've pretty much, we still have tanks, but we use a lot more drones and things oh, like that. Oh, absolutely. Tank tank warfare is not a thing anymore. Only, I mean, it's they're used, but tank warfare, tank first tank, doesn't happen because the battles America are fighting these days, we're not fighting with armies that have tanks and, and jets and stuff like that. At least, hopefully not, cross our fingers. Uh, but anywho, let's jump into uh, the episode. So uh, it starts up and uh, Homer and uh, the rest of the family are watching TV and Bart and Lisa are just like smack dab in front of it. And uh, Homer yells that, uh, uh, you know, sitting too close is going to hurt hurt their eyes. And I think Bart says something like, oh, no, it's not. And Homer's like, oh, yes, it will. And he clenches his fist and the kids back up a bit. Now, I know that there's going to be somebody on this. TV that you're pretty excited to talk about, right, Sean? I'm more excited to talk about not the movie they're watching, which you think. Oh, the, I I presumed it was the two people. Oh, yeah, the two people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, I know you well enough, Sean. Okay, good. So they're watching a show called Yakking About the Movies, uh-huh. which is an obvious parody of Siskel and Ebert at the movies, or Siskel and Ebert and the movies, or sneak previews, because they had many different iterations of the same show. 
where Siskel and Ebert would sit around and review the movies that came out in the current week and talk about them. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 love Siskel and Ebert. Really? They did some fantastic reviews. I may not always agree with them, but the points they had are very poignant, and mm. I respect them. Especially when it comes to horror movies. They really both hated horror movies. Oh, so they were pretty down on horror. They're very down very often. If you go back and actually look at a lot of things, you'll see some reviews where there's a movie that's actually really good and they'll kind of give it a negative and talk about it. Oh. But I used to actually watch Siskel and Ebert every single Sunday night. Really? Every Sunday night I would watch them, watch the reviews for movies, and that's kind of where I became a film buff from, was watching reviews of movies. Interesting. I don't know what kind of person would sit out there and want to listen to two guys talk about something they're passionate about all the time. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a weird thing, right? <laughs> Who would do that? Never. <laughs> Why are handsome listeners, of course. Of course, the best listeners in the world. Indeed. But no, it was a thing where they would actually review movies on TV, not YouTube. They would be an actual TV show they had for our younger viewers. Yeah. You had to wait to get the movie's reviews instead of the night before a movie came out knowing, was that a good movie? You usually found out on Sunday after the movie had started airing on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they gave it either a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, and uh, Gene Siskel passed away in 1999. Roger Ebert died uh, in 2013. Uh, and both died, unfortunately, of two different types of cancer. And both of them, oddly enough, absolutely hated doing any kind of role for acting. However, they do act as themselves in one show. The Critic? The Critic. That's them. They appreciated that the fact that the show was about a film critic so much that they wanted to be on it. They typically would deny any kind of show where it was like a parody of them. Uh-huh. But things, things like The Simpsons currently. Oh, but sure, they sure. actually acted on The Critic. Interesting. They also had made guest appearances on Sesame Street. Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, that's pretty great. So, so Homer says that he loves it when the bald guy argues with the tub of lard. <laughs> As, as, you know, these parodies of Siskel and Ebert start fighting, which is all kinds of ironic. What are they fighting about? What movie are they watching? Oh, I don't know. What movie? Was it McBain? Oh, it's McBain. Yeah. It's the first time we see Rainier Wolf Castle as McBain. Oh, that's right. This would be the first time we see McBain, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, and all McBain clips are from the same movie. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, they. It, I, I really love that. The fact that you can string all the McBain clips together, and it kind of makes a cohesive story. Yeah, with Mendoza. One Mendoza! of the most villainous characters ever. Don't worry, Sean. <laughs> Nobody's that evil in real life. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, the TV starts going on the fritz, and so uh, uh, Homer starts banging it, and it kind of like goes boop. And the screen vanishes, and Bart says, looks like you lost a patient, Doc. And we get another, shut up, boy. So I used to have an old tube TV like that Uh from the mid-80s. And every now and then it would get kind of fuzzy, and you'd have to smack it on the side to get it to work. Mm -hmm. So I related to this. Oh, no, I had an old tube TV where it was the same. Like, when it would kind of go out on me, I'd have to hit it a bit, and it would start working again. I... Homer drops a little bit of low-key racism against the Chinese, uh, and they... They, you know, they're like, oh, I think I can see the picture. And it's just a little dot. And uh, Marge is like, this is, you guys are sick. Like, this is gross. <laughs> and so I. Uh, so to be fair to Marge, mm-hmm. I had the same problem growing up. 
<laughs> where I remember losing the power many a times. In mm-hmm. fact, the time I lost the power that I remember is a summer. Yeah. I want to say it was the summer of 98. Was that when Star Fox 64 came out? Oh, I think it might have been. But we lost power the day Star Fox 64 came out. And I just sat there reading the manual over <laughs> and over again. It's staring at that box <laughs> wanting to play it. Oh, uh, that's it, great. It, it, it had to be 97. It had to be the summer of 97 because we met in 97. Oh, right. Because of uh, Star Fox. Yeah. So it had to be 97 summer. But I just read that manual. I had no power. I sat there and kept reading it and reading it and looking at the box wanting to play this game. And I couldn't play the game. For the record, uh, Sean and I met uh, uh, because I believe it was, uh, was I whistling? You were whistling. I was whistling the Star Wolf theme. And Sean was like, is that Star Wolf you're whistling? And I was like... Why, as a matter of fact, it is. And we continue to be nerds to this day. 22 years later, still friends. 22 years. You poor son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So, the TV's out, and I, I... you know, Marge is like, well, you know, when we were younger, you know, we didn't really watch a lot of TV. And Bart's like, you lie. And uh, uh, they're like, no, 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 it's true. And so they start talking about, uh, uh, you know, back in the day. And uh, Lisa's like, oh, like, I want to hear the story about how, you know, dad proposed to you, mom. And she thinks about it and it cuts to uh, Dr. Hibbert with an afro. Because in all of his flashbacks, he always has different hair depending on the era. And uh, Dr. Hibbert tells Marge, he's like, uh, he's like, congratulations. And Homer just yells, no. And Marge's like, ah, you know, I have a different story. Do you know when Marge got pregnant? Oh. Do you know the year? What would be the year? It'd be 1980. Because they went to go see The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's great. I uh, Yeah, that's right. And I think, uh, uh, oh, that doesn't match up especially well. Because wasn't Lisa uh, born in 84 per the Olympics that happened that year? Yes, I believe so. Huh. Time doesn't make sense in The Simpsons. No, it doesn't. Maybe it was a... But we'll, we'll learn that more as we go through this episode, that yeah. time is relative. <laughs> time is very relative in this episode. So we're cutting to Springfield of 1974, and Homer on the radio is listening to The Carpenters Close to You. Which is a cover of the song, because they could not get the rights to The Carpenters singing it. Ah, uh, that is a shame. It is a very close cover. It sounds very, very good. One of the best covers I have ever heard in a show where they parody something. I thought it was The Carpenters, honestly. I'm not, I, I'm very surprised that it is not The Carpenters, so that is a very impressive cover. Go back and listen to them side by side, and you'll notice it is not The Carpenters. Oh, interesting. Uh, so Homer uh, is listening to that and says, you know, ah, gross, and he you know, turns it off. Uh, he drives past the macrame hut. What song does he turn on? Why, he turns on, uh, let's see, uh, he turns on, what is it, uh, uh, Joker? By the Steve Miller Band. Steve Miller Band. Uh, And though the song released in 1973, it didn't hit the top uh, Billboard 100 until 74. So it makes sense he'd be listening to it then. Uh, The Steve Miller Band started in 1966 and still plays today. Uh, Also, uh, I looked into Homer's car. Uh, and apparently the uh, car is based on, the front of it is the based on the 1970 Dodge Challenger, and the rear is based on the 1970 Plymouth Barracuda. Uh, it's just sort of a, mis- a mismatch of like two different cars. The uh, Plymouth Barracuda was actually my mom's first car. Really? Yep. That's cool. 
I mean, maybe it wasn't really cool because it's a Plymouth Barracuda, but I mean, it's, oh, dude, it's cool. Look up a Barracuda. They're actually sweet looking. <laughs> they are freaking sweet looking. That's great. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. Uh, so uh, Homer gets to school and uh, Barney's like, hey, we're going to be late for English class. And Homer's like, I'm never going to England. Uh, and he smokes? Yeah, this is the first time we see Homer smokes. But I mean, he does smoke a lot. He smokes cigars. He smokes pipes. But this is the first time we see him smoke cigarettes. That's true, I guess. And I, I guess, you know, he, he must have just kind of kicked the habit. I mean, because, like, back then, so many people were smoking. Oh, yeah. It was, it was the rebellious thing to do. You're smoking in the boys' room. Yeah, yeah literally. Uh, so Homer and Barney walk past a table selling tickets to prom. They're uh, smoking oh, yeah. in the bathroom, and Dondelinger comes in and catches the two of them. Oh, now hold on. There's a few things I noticed on the way to the bathroom. Okay. Uh, so on the way to the bathroom, they go past a table selling tickets to prom. Artie, Ziff, and Selma are in the background? Weird. What looks to be Selma Bouvier is in the background, and uh, so uh, and they pass by Marge, whose friend is urging that they need a new amendment to make sure that women have equal rights to men. Marge is a little iffy because she's not thrilled about heavy lifting and math. I, <laughs> uh, which to that I say, Marge, it's equality. Come on, get with it. You, you're a feminist. You should be. Uh, also, she, she does get with it by the end of this, I oh, think. Yeah, and uh, I, she makes some very good points coming up. Sure, sure. And uh, there, she gets handed Miss Magazine, which is about the most sexist jokes I've seen on The Simpsons. Did you catch all the things on this? No, I did not. Special PMS issue: Why all men are bad, hating and dating. Do they mix? Twenty-five reasons not to shave your armpit. Must we be childlike to be free? I. Uh, Okay, so fair enough, like, you know, the must we be childlike, you know, sure, women don't need to shave their armpits, that's great, but the special PMS issue, yeah, that's pushed. why all men are bad, like, I mean, yeah, men are pretty crappy, I'll grant you that, but, like, the, the, that notion of, like, all men are bad, it's like, oh, okay, like, come on, like, that's just a bit much, and the hating and dating do they mix, so, (laughs) what? I'm gonna say something as a white male here. And I've learned this from every single episode of Noiseland Arcade. Uh-huh. Everyone sucks. Your news <laughs> depresses me every week. The world is terrible. Everything is horrible. I hate it. Every, you, everyone's terrible. Everything is terrible. It will always be terrible. It has always been terrible. You have ruined my outlook on the world. I am now hating everything. Well, you know what they say, Sean. Life is a never-ending torrent of misery. <sighs> Or maybe I just say that. It's like the Germans say, come Suzer Todd. <laughs> so, the boys are smoking in the uh, 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 bathroom, and they get referred to as the shop kids, which is kind of interesting. Uh, also, uh, they're late for woodshop, but early for lunch. So the shop kids is kind of a... Like a 70s thing? It's kind of a 70s thing where like the slacker guys would go to shop because they're going to get machine jobs. And Oh, okay. It, it kind of like is like, okay, the smart nerdy kids are going to go to things like debate and things like that. This whole episode's kind of a play on that. I gotcha. Breaking down the working class man and the rise of the American workplace. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, I. Uh, oh, yeah? No, go on. Oh, I was going to say, so interesting uh, note that I thought of is uh, we we will later find out that Barney was on the uh, track to success until uh, Homer introduced him to alcohol. Uh, so clearly at this point, Barney has already been 
given alcohol because he's a bit of a dolt. Uh, he complains about Homer uh, Homer eating so much and never gaining weight, and Homer brags that it's metabolism. So this probably happened. Well, the Barney drinking thing probably happened early their senior year mm-hmm. because Barney was prepping for his SATs. It would have had to have been the senior year, yeah. So, yeah, it's probably early in this year, and the prom is at the end of the year. So yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, but you're right. Dundalinger comes in, and Dundalinger will appear in future episodes as well. At least one other, as far as I know. Yeah, he makes at least one more appearance. Mm-hmm. And he refers to Barney and Homer as Springfield's answer to Cheech and Chong. Yep, he sure does. So this episode takes place in 1974. Correct. Cheech and Chong's first movie, Up in Smoke, didn't come out till 1978. Ah, no, the the one thing that I comes into contention there, and you're absolutely right about the movie dates, of course, that's quite a bit of a ways off, but they were a comedy act in 71. That's true. But would Dondelinger know who the hell Cheech and Chong are in 1974? I don't think he would. I don't think he would either. I feel like that's one of our little uh, uh, time slip up here, uh, which we'll see a few times in this episode. Uh, he gives them detention, and it's uh, he says, you know where, and the boys say in unison, three o'clock, old building, room 106. He cuts on over to Marge. And they're having like an impromptu rally where Marge has a megaphone, and she's fired up about feminism. Yeah, Marge is really fired up, and she actually makes some really good points. Mm -hmm. She points out that she's read that someone who does the work of a housewife, who isn't married to a house, she might add, (laughs) gets paid $48,000 a year for that work. Adjusting that for inflation, that would be $247,000. That's a lot of money. I, I wish I could get paid to clean somebody's house and make food for that much money. I, I do it. I have to do that for myself. I could stand to have that kind of money for doing that. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, That's a lot of money. Quarter of a million dollars. Heck yeah. So I, I, Marge mentions that I, 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 the, the bra is a male-imposed shackle, I, which I was always under the impression it was more for support to make things like easier to move around with but i i mean i don't need a bra never have never will hopefully so um burning your bra was actually a big protest act in the 70s by feminists mm-hmm. it happened quite a lot which is based on real things yeah but marge does make a remark when she lights her bra on fire she says it burns up quicker than she thought must be because of all the tissue paper inside <laughs> Which I think is kind of a sexist joke. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely a man who wrote that joke. I feel like it had to have been. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there's a certain amount of like humor to that. It is a, a like kind of a funny joke, but like it's a little on the like eh side. You know, it's not so funny that it balances out and it's like, oh, it's okay, it's funny, but really, it's kind of like eh. I uh, Dundelinger pops out though and isn't happy with Marge's kind of you know spur of the moment you know uh feminist rally gives her detention and he's like you know where and she's like well actually no i don't and he says of course you know three o'clock old building uh room 106 i uh, and it cuts to detention uh you see on the backboard uh i don't know if you caught a lot of this sean uh it says driver's ed classes uh uh june 8th uh only 10th graders are allowed and it has somebody's chalk drawing of a car wrapped around a tree. <laughs> I did 
watched it. Yeah, that's I, a bit much. I paused it and I laughed at it. <laughs> the fact that a teacher didn't erase that, it's really funny. But it is detention, and we kind of see that he doesn't care that much. Yeah, no, he clearly does not. Uh, so Barney asks one of the girls in detention uh, to go on a date, and she says, not uh, even if you were Elliot Gold. Uh, and are, do you know who Elliot Gold is, Sean? Because I, I didn't look up too much on him. I don't have too much information on Elliot Gould. Yeah, so Elliot Gould is is uh, an American actor. He played Trapper John in the movie MASH, uh, and he was super handsome. That's about all I have. He was pretty attractive. I looked up a picture. He's he's a pretty attractive dude. Uh, so Barney's kind of upset that no one's going to prom with him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty uh, bent out of shape about it. But the door opens. We get a new woman in the scene. The screen fades to pink. And, well, maybe not the whole screen, but, like, the backgrounds become pinkish. And the Carpenters, or this cover of it, song, Close to You, starts playing. And Homer falls in love at first sight. I, now I, as far as that goes, uh, I did look up a little bit of info on the Carpenters. Would you like me to lay it on you? Did did you look up the info or did you just know it? Because I know you love the Carpenters and I love the Carpenters. I I do really like the Carpenters. Between Uh, growing up with this and the Muppets, like... It's it's embedded in you to like the mm-hmm. carpenters. Yeah, I pretty think. much. Uh, Karen and Richard Carpenter, uh, who were uh, siblings, uh, had a number of hit songs. Uh, now, I uh, Karen uh, sadly passed away on February third, nineteen eighty three, of anorexia nervosa, uh, and it, which is super depressing because I feel like there's no reason they couldn't have continued on and kept making great music and stuff. The the brother wrote the music. I think is how kind of how it worked, and his sister sang it. And he did some of the, uh, like, I think he played piano, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, yeah, the Carpenters have a lot of really great music. I, I fairly recently bought a kind of a greatest of hit uh, hits, you know, on vinyl. And uh, like, it's phenomenal. It is a great album. We actually talked about the Carpenters in the end of season one with um, Jim Henson's funeral and Big Bird singing The Rainbow Connection and being the most depressing thing you'll ever see in your life. You're not wrong. It is. Uh, So Barney is like, hey, do you want to go to prom? And and Homer cuts him off and he's like, she's mine. (laughs) I love Homer's delivery on that. Oh, it's great. Uh, Young Homer is a great character that I wish we got more of. Yeah, we don't really see young Homer much. We see like middle-aged Homer, like you know when he first starts like his family and stuff. Quite a bit after this episode, we had a few episodes of that. But young Homer, we don't see much after this. I, uh, but yeah, so uh, Homer and Marge are talking, and I, uh, I, uh, is it Marge who says that she's a political prisoner? Yes, she says she's a political prisoner. That's right, and and Homer's like I'm pretty much a pr- political prisoner too. It's just because I I got thrown here because I'm, I'm being myself. And it's like, oh, my Lord, you're such a douchebag. <laughs> like, I love Homer. He's so funny. But that line, I was just like, oh, my God, I hate you so bad, you douche. But he does have a great line coming up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, uh, he, he starts trying to, to learn, what is it, learn Marge's name and stuff. So uh, uh, lay, lay it on us, Sean. If you've got it in front of you, you can lay it on us. Because Homer starts saying, uh-huh. you know, hey, I'm Homer Simpson. And every time he speaks up, the person in charge of detention starts telling him, okay, you got another day in detention. And Homer keeps going and going and going until he's got six days in detention. And he just looks at him and goes, worth it. <laughs> so good. Uh, and so uh, as far as that goes, uh, uh, 
the it cuts to the the present day, and uh, Bart. I think it's Bart says it's a jailhouse uh, romance. I, uh, and so Homer, and Lisa says love at first sight. Yeah, love at first sight. That's right. I uh, and so it cuts back to the past, and Homer and Abraham Simpson are eating Shakespeare's fried chicken, which is not a real place, but. There is an episode later that references uh, Shakespeare's Fried Chicken. So it is a chicken restaurant that is in Springfield. So this is my favorite scene with Abe Simpson in the entire series. Uh-huh. I love Homer and Abe's heart to heart. So Abe asks Homer, what's the matter? He says, I believe the quote is, usually I have to wrestle the bucket out of your greasy mitts. <laughs> and Homer says, Dad, I'm in love. Abe tells him, why don't you grab yourself a beer? And Homer goes, but dad, I don't drink. <laughs> Abe cuts him off and tells him, cut the crap. I collect the cans. Now grab a beer and get me one too. This girlfriend, is she a real looker? Lot on the ball? Yeah, son, don't overreach. Go for the dented <laughs> car. The dead end job. The less attractive girl. Oh, I blame myself. I should have had this talk a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Abe is such a bad father, and I love him for it. He is a really crummy dad. And man, did you look at that kitchen? Oh, that kitchen's a mess. There's an open paint can just sitting there. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I have no clue. I you, I can't imagine Abraham was thinking, "I'm going to paint the kitchen." I, just... I collect the cans. <laughs> I love his voice there. It's so good. Abe's voice there is essentially Dan Castellan in a sarcastic voice that he uses for Homer, just aged up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Because when he enters the lottery, Homer will say, <laughs> you had to be 18. In a very similar tone. Oh, man, so good. I So I... Homer ends up getting a meeting with his guidance counselor. Uh, he gets to the door. He has to figure out the letters to know that S is between M and Z, which is a little sad. Uh, and he has a conversation with his uh, 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 guidance counselor, who, once again, will see this guidance counselor in a later episode. So here's a question for you. Did you ever speak with your guidance counselor in high school at all? A few times. Yeah, mine was absolutely no help whatsoever. Mine wasn't a lot of help. I remember going to my guidance counselor freshman year, uh-huh. and we had to do one of those, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told her a pirate. I wanted to be a pirate. And she's like, you can't be a pirate. I was like, no, damn it, I want to be a pirate. That's awesome. I want to live on the high seas and steal booty. <laughs> so she shrugged me off as a smartass and kicked me out of there. Our senior year bunch of pirates were taking over ships in these um somalia it, it was the somalian pirates and there was a newspaper article and they sold newspapers in the school store so i bought one i walked into her office slammed it on her desk and said you lied to me <laughs> and yeah she hated me and with good reason I was, <laughs> yeah. yeah i would say probably with pretty good reason uh <laughs> but but i just think of that when i think of guidance counselors and they weren't any help. Nah, not really. Uh, I my my guy was kind of a jerk. Uh, he he wasn't especially nice. I mean, can uh, you blame him if you had to deal with high school students all the time who are like, I don't know what I want to do, or they said smart aleck remarks. 
Listen, being a pirate is a legitimate frame of business. It is a background in Dungeons and Dragons. It is the alternate of a soldier. It works. You can have it as your background in life. The alternate of a sailor. sailor. You're right. Why did I say soldier? sailor? Well, I mean, it's a combination thereof, kind of. I... They get free drinks and bars because they threaten people. <laughs> so, so Homer wants uh, to know how he can force Marge to like him. And the guidance counselor is like, well, I'm more fear for careers, but he's like, well, I don't know. He's like, share interest and spend, spend, spend. Uh, he also tries to pitch. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He says, Homer, what are your plans for after uh, high school? Homer says, I want to drink a lot of beer and stay out all night. And he's like, no, Homer. I mean, like a job, your career in the future. And he's like. Here's a uh, uh, something to think about. He's like, the nuclear power plant is going to be taking people, and they won't require a college education. Homer looks at the pamphlet, goes, kaboom, <laughs> and throws it in the trash can. Bit of foreshadowing to Homer's future. It does indeed. And the fact that he's not very good at his job. Anyway. And then it will require a college education. <laughs> it will. At least one class. Uh, so, I. Uh, Marge is at a uh, 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 like a a debate class. Is that right? Yeah, Marge is in debate class. That's right. And so she's like practicing it for her her like debates that are going to be at Shelbyville. And so she's saying that like helping a disabled child can hurt them in the long run. I uh, or spending a lifetime helping a disabled child can hurt them in the long run. I uh, I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I I know I'm not hardly an expert in the field. I just feel like is that a problem? Helping, I mean, it definitely cuts into your life, of course, but I mean, if, like, you know, it doesn't hurt them, right? I guess when you die? I guess over-parenting in that scenario and them not learning to be I can't, But it's a disabled child. Like, I mean, well, in, in they're, a lot... bl- they're blind. She specifically says blind. Oh, does so, she? She oh, does. Oh, I so, thought it was, uh, like, a, a mentally disabled uh, so it uh, child. So it is blind. It is... Yes, it's a horrible thing to be blind, oh, but sure. it is something you have to overcome. Oh, no, no. In that case, then I would absolutely agree. I, I was thinking that it was like somebody who's handicapped, and I was thinking like, who, like who's going to not take care of their child? But I mean, come on. A blind kid is going to be fine. He's, he's going to fight crime as an extrasensory ninja. <laughs> I've read comics. I know I how think, it goes. I think that's how it works. Uh, so I... I Homer comes in, though, and uh, wants to join the debate team because he wants to spend time with Marge. And uh, uh, he's talking with Mrs. Boomenstein. Uh, and uh, she's like, all right, the speed limit was lowered to 55. Uh, some, you know, uh, like, you know, what's your stance on this? And Homer's like, sure, some people are going to die, you know, by uh, uh, keeping the speed limit high. But millions will be late. And she's like, why don't you take con? <laughs> now, I did do a little bit of research here. Did you as well? I did, but I'm sure you have notes on this. Yeah, so the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Weekly, I, uh, I, uh, let's see, I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about the episode before we go into the history there. So, uh, uh, Homer's looking at U.S. Weekly on speed limit, and he goes to like fill in the answer, and he goes, "No way." And it was a thing. The national maximum speed law was a law placed by U.S. government in response to the oil crisis in 1973. Uh, now, years later, when conflicting results about the law came back, it was repealed and went back to state decisions. Uh, now, I, I really love Homer's rebuttal. Yeah, I don't love Homer's rebuttal. <laughs> I don't. It's the class. What a piece of <laughs> 
garbage. He gets made fun of by Arnie Ziff, uh, who calls him an ignoramus. Voiced and, by the great John Lovitz. Ah, uh, yes. He plays such a smarmy prick in this. Arnie Ziff. Uh, Artie or Arnie? Artie. Artie. Artie Ziff. That's right. Uh, he uh, uh, says, you know, makes fun of Homer about being an ignoramus and stuff. And Homer's like, I have your rebuttal for you. And he pants, he drops his pants. And we cut to, I believe, is the second use of Bart using Icaramba. Maybe the third. But Bart, when it cuts back, goes, Icaramba. And I, I think this is about the second or third time. I don't think it's been happened very much. Usually it's in relation to Homer's butt. Oh, walking, well, go figure. Walking in on Homer and Marge together and <laughs> that being his first words. That's right. It's usually in a relation to Homer's butt. So it cuts to Marge and she's jogging uh, like for gym class or something. And Homer was just creeping by the water fountain. Oh, yeah, he was. He was kind of stalkerish in this scene. Oh, yeah. Like a lot. Kind of weird. Bit of advice, guys. If you want to go talk to a girl, be natural. Don't hang out in the bushes by the water fountain hoping she'll go over there when she's running. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not the best place to be. Uh, So Homer asks Marge out and she's like, yeah, but I don't know you. And he's like, well, you know, like talk to people who know me. And he uh, lists Coach Flanagan, Mr. Uh, Sakofsky, and Barney Gumbel. So there's some fun parts about this. Uh Uh-huh. He he goes to Coach Flanagan. Uh Uh-huh. And he says that if Homer, you know, keeps working at it, he's a great shot putter. He can get another foot. <laughs> get another foot. I love that. I also love Sadowski, the shop teacher. And he's like, solid C student. He Last year he made a lamp. Did you notice the thing about Sadowski that makes him unique? Oh, what's that? He's missing one of his fingers. Is he? He is missing one of his fingers on, I believe, his right hand. That's awesome. The shop teacher's missing a finger. And then he Marge goes to talk to Barney. Ah, oh, what is that and quote Barney says? Barney says... Probably the most important thing ever, which I've said this numerous times. Craig here, over here, is all things to men and maybe to a lucky gal. <laughs> Love it. Barty's line is so great. He's so infatuated with Homer. He really, really looks up to Homer. Uh, and so, which is funny because it's not like Homer is like super popular or anything like that. He's kind of an outcast. I. Uh, so I, uh, I, uh, they're uh, they're gonna have uh, 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 like forensics, which is like in uh, I think Latin it means open court, which is like you know debate. So Marge is super busy. I, uh, which is still something they have in schools nowadays. Oh, okay, interesting. When Craig and I, I think we've mentioned on the show, we used to work in a grocery store. We used to work with younger kids, and they would often ask for time off for forensics. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You're right. Uh, and uh, Which so, is funny, because a lot of those kids couldn't debate to me why they needed that, that time off. They'd be like, oh, I need it for school. I'd be like, yeah, but do you really need it off? Can't you just skip it? <laughs> they really didn't have a good response, so it's kind of funny that that happened. Well, they just weren't very good. <laughs> they, they, they just needed practice, which is why they needed the time off. Uh, so I uh, I was the jerk the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. I uh, so I uh, Marge mentions that she's so busy, and one of the things she's busy with is that she tutors French. And Homer says, "Oh, that Homer! He thought of an idea and he thought it up quick." <laughs> <laughs> Homer says, "He's like French. What a coincidence!" What I think is weird is it cuts to uh, modern times. Marge giggles, and it's like. 
Yeah, like, I mean, it's charming. He wanted to, like, you know, hook up with you and he, he loves you so much. Yada, yada. But, like, he was lying. You know, he was lying, but I think Marge looks back on it in fondness mm-hmm. because things worked out. Yeah. So I he may have true. lied, but he had decent intentions. Path to hell is paved on good intentions, my friend. Marge would probably be happier without Homer, but we've talked about this before. Oh, I know she would be. I know she would be. <laughs> but. So, mm-hmm. I do got to say, this is one of Homer's more clever schemes. That is true. Homer is typically a bit of a dope. And so, you know, he's, he's pretty slick here. But when he wants something, he's clever. He can sneak out of work. He can do things like this. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so it cuts back to the past. And uh, uh, Homer's like brushing his hair. And there's a lot of hair in the brush. And he's like, ah, plenty more where that came from. Wah, wah. Uh, so he puts on a song. And the song uh, lyrics say, don't be a baby lady, just be a lady baby. But it's not a real song. Huh. Yeah, I looked into it, and uh, it uh, it is a uh, uh, original song for this episode. It's, you know, just something they slapped together. Weird, because they licensed so many songs or right? covers of songs for this episode. Yeah, it, what, what was one more? Uh, maybe at that point they were like, okay, yeah, we're out of budget. I. Uh, so uh, they, uh, Marge comes over and she's like, why are we listening to makeout music? And Homer's like, God oh, helps me study. And uh, they start studying French from uh, 6.18 in the evening until 9.22 at night. Uh, also, I thought I would catch them. Uh, uh, I think it's Homer checks, uh, maybe it's Marge, checks the watch. And it's a digital watch. And I was like, oh, when the hell did which digital watch comes out? 1970. So it was probably pretty expensive, but it's, it, it fits. So is this where Bart got his knowledge of how to speak French fluently quickly from? Does Marge still speak French, like, in the house? Maybe. Because, I mean, I took German for years, and every now and then I'll, like, count in German when I'm counting things out. Uh, you know, every so often I do weird things like that, or I'll say certain words in German just just for the heck of it. Uh, not a lot. I don't know German very well by any I means. I mean, when we were prepping for one fish, two fish... Uh, Okay, blow, oh, blow, blowfish, 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 bluefish. Bluefish. We were doing it in German, which is Einfisch, Zweifisch, Rotfisch, Kugelfish. Or, oh no, Kugelfish is blowfish. Kugelfish is blowfish. Blaufish is bluefish. Yes. In German. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. I. Uh, but they decide to take a study break, and they are going to do the hustle. Yeah, they are. And this what, is what where, a great 1974 hit, right? Right. And this is where I've got them. Totally got them. That song was released by Van McCoy on April 18th, 1975. The hustle indeed. So the only I def- scoff at their their inaccurate history. The only defense I can give them in this scenario is that this is them recounting the story. Mm-hmm. So it may just be that they have their information wrong in their heads. Maybe they danced to a different song and it wasn't the hustle, but Marge thinks of the hustle because when she thinks of that time period, she thinks of the hustle. This is a flashback. And so that that defense kind of works. But you know what? Because I actually have Mm -hmm. a very similar moment with this, which I will get into at the very end of this episode. Oh, all right. So maybe it's just the way she recounts it because of maybe she thinks the 70s and she thinks the hustle. I mean, that's that's fair. That is fair. This is them telling a story. I feel like it's more likely the writers didn't do their research. But I mean, at the same time, who was really going to call them out aside from a nerd like 20 years (laughs) after their episode came out? 20? 
uh, it's only been 20 episodes, 20 years, right? 28, Craig. Oh, 28. Oh, God almighty. All right. So uh, uh, cuts to re, uh, back to modern times, and Bart's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got married. They had kids, uh, had kids. They bought a cheap TV. And Bart gets yelled at by Homer, and they continue uh, the, the story. Uh, and we see that there is a Shelbyville rivalry in this episode, of course. Uh, and the forensics meeting are today, and there's a sign that says Splatter Springfield. So we, we kind of skipped over a moment there. Oh, yeah? So they dance to the hustle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Marge kind of falls for Homer. Ah, yes, that's right. I did miss a very important part. She says to Homer, you know, Homer, you're different from all the men I know. You know, you're honest and open without a bit of pretension. Homer's kind of the opposite of me. The absolute <laughs> opposite of me. Or so Marge thinks. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because Marge... Or Homer tells Marge that if honest and open is what she likes, he's got something for her. Mm-hmm. He was lying about French class just so he could get to know her. Also, uh, they finished this up and had this discussion at one oh seven in the morning. Yeah, so they were, that. they were dancing for a while. I guess so. Well, they went back to studying. Also, so. Homer asked Marge to the prom, and she said yes. I skipped oh, that, yeah, too, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's an important moment of this episode. Ah, uh, yeah. She says yes, and then Homer reveals the truth. She slaps Homer in the face, and she's like, you know, like, like you know, I, I was, you know, have so much to do. I'm so busy. And she kind of forgets about the fact that she was so happy hanging out with him and falling for him and storms off. And she says, like, you know, I never want to you know, speak to you again or whatever. And Homer immediately picks up the phone. At 107. Calls Barney. In the morning. And says, guess who's got a date to prom? Yep. Marge didn't say no. She said yes. And then mentioned that she didn't want to talk to him again. Anywho. Yeah. The forensics meeting comes up. And she's super tired. I... Also, uh, for the record, there is a sign uh, that says that somebody named Brad is selling a car, and there's a bunch of uh, like notes on it that say that Brad is a geek, his car is junk, and it's a lemon. And for those who are unaware, uh, a lemon is a car with uh, uh, typically manufacturing defects. Also, uh, we have Marge attempt the, uh, uh, the debate, and tired, can't pull it off, and loses. But Artie Ziff succeeds and wins and gets a big trophy and John Lovett's ahem noises are so weird. Yeah, his Occam sneeze. Ahem. When he says ahem. His Occam is what <laughs> John Lovett's actually does to clear his throat. Really? Yeah, that is an actual thing I learned from watching the commentaries on The Critic. Really? Is they wrote that into all of his characters who do it because it's something he does and Al Jean finds it absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and he's not wrong. It is. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Uh, so Artie uh, uh, is like, you know, oh, I can think of all these reasons you should go out with me, Marge. And she's like, Artie, I've known you for years. You've always been a, you know, a really decent guy. She's like, I'd be delighted to go to prom. Yeah, with decent you. guy. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, good Lord, we'll get to that. So, I, uh, I, uh, Marge is is uh, being helped by her mother, uh, and she, Marge wants to use some rouge. And Mrs. Bouvier says, ladies pinch, whores use rouge. I think that's the first time in my life I heard the term whore. I think so. I can't think of a time before this. Uh, so, Homer arrives to pick up Marge. 
which we know how that's going to go. And Patty and Selma meet him at the door and just utterly despise him. Which is weird because this is back when Homer had hair, which we learned later on in his future when he's with Carl and he gets his hair back. They think they he's, find attractive. he's attractive. So it's weird that they didn't think he was attractive here. His hair is very well done up, and in this episode, it is kind of just sort of you True. know, you know, kind of how you know, a little longer, a little unkempt. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I uh, but I uh, Homer goes in and like you know, uh, uh, he says something around the lines of like, "Thanks, Mister B," and uh, Mister Bouvier and Patty and Selma are all like, mm, 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 mm. and they're not happy with Homer. And Mr. Bouvier and both Patty and Selma smoke. Ah, yes, they all do. Uh, now, Homer uh, uh, meets Marge, and they take pictures, and Marge is surprised. And she's like, Homer, what are you doing here? I said I never wanted to talk to you again. And Homer says something around the lines of how he uh, uh, didn't want to like ha- have Marge turn him down. And so he skips school for three weeks, and he's going to graduate uh, uh, like in the summer, he hopes. <laughs> but we'll later learn that he does not graduate and has to go back to high school pass remedial science 1a uh-huh that is the one class he missed out on and i uh, yeah coincidentally he will not graduate uh but Artie ziff comes in and they find him very attractive i didn't think he was any i didn't think he was very attractive Artie Ziff's an attractive man uh, is he though Got John Lovett's voice. And that's got to count for something. Uh, so I, uh, Mr. Bouvier is like, wait a second. If this guy's your date, who's he? And he points to Homer and Homer says, I'm a spare and walks off. But Homer's discouraged, but he goes to speak to his limo driver. Ah, we find that his limo driver is somebody we're going to hear a lot of in the future of The Simpsons. It's the sarcastic guy. And he wants to take Homer home. And Homer says, no, I paid for this limo. I paid for two dinners. I paid for this tux. We're going to the dance. Oh, yeah. He's not having it. He's going to go. So they go to the prom. And uh, we once again see the Larry Davis experience. Who we saw in... um, Oh, yeah. What episode was it? Some Enchanted Evening when they go to the um, rest stop. That's right. Yep, that is that episode. You're right. Uh, So I... Uh, Dundelinger is at the prom and he's like talking to like all these kids. He's like, you know, trying to like interrogate him. And he's like, I, I, oh, it's not a bong. You have asthma. And the guy runs off with a bong. Uh, Barney streaks, runs through the prom naked. Uh, everyone laughs. I, Homer gets asked what he wants to eat, steak or chicken. And he says both because <laughs> he's got two dinner tickets. <laughs> I love, though, that, I mean, like, Homer is a adult. Like, you know, that, that we've seen that time and time again. And we know that Homer isn't that great of a guy. But we do see that he has genuine happiness for Marge as she becomes the prom queen. Okay, so when she becomes prom queen, there's a character in the background I want uh-huh. everyone to look at next time they watch this. Uh-huh. It's when she's walking up to the thing. There's a guy in a domino mask. Why is that a background thing in The Simpsons? That's weird. Somebody at the prom is in a domino mask, like it's a masquerade ball. And we saw earlier in uh, Homer's Odyssey that there was a guy in a domino mask in the crowd. Yeah, that's weird. Why is that a thing? It always happens. I don't know. I don't get it. Is he like tuxedo mask? Because that would be awesome. (laughs) 
tuxedo mask from the 70s. Oh, Dude, man. I would totally hang out with 70s tuxedo mask. Can we just get a 70s version of Sailor Moon? Oh, dude, that would be so awesome. <laughs> so Sailor Sean says we need a 70s version of Sailor Moon. <laughs> so, so Artie Zip gets on stage and he, he uh, it's the most condescending prick. You you could have elected someone who is athletic or a pretty boy, but instead you chose me, your intellectual superior. Good for you. And which is funny because March said that Homer wasn't had didn't have a bit of pretentiousness to him. And yet here we are. And Artie Ziff is already kind of seeming uh, like it's not Marge's thing. I uh, also I uh, it never like when I first watched the episode the first few times like, years ago, it never really bothered me. But now knowing that close to you is Marge and Homer's song, it kind of grosses me out that Artie Ziff is singing it to Marge. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. I don't like that. I uh, so Homer gets upset that they're close and he like stumbles off to like a stairway that like leads out to like the exit to the the school and Marge is like why are you doing this to yourself and Homer says that he it was the only thing he's ever been sure about in his entire life I love that line from Homer I really do love Mm -hmm. that line from Homer it's the only thing he's ever been sure about because usually he's like there's a whole bunch of other thoughts he doesn't know what he's doing but when he saw Marge she was fluff at first sight and I uh, Marge is like, yeah, but like, I'm not with you. Like, you got to get over this. And Homer's upset and he goes out and I, uh, I, uh, he talks to the sarcastic guy and he's like, hey, you know, where, like, where to next? And I, uh, as far as that goes, I, uh, they go to what? Inspiration point. Yep. Inspiration point. It's the old makeout place. And the sarcastic guy drops probably one of my favorite lines. He says, all right, buddy, but I'm only paid to drive. So I got to ask all of our listeners out there and hit us up on our Facebook page uh-huh. or on Discord. Does your town have a makeout place? Like, is that a thing? Because all these old timey shows and movies had makeout places. Is, is there one like... I, I don't think that's really a thing. I think that was from probably 70s movies or something. And it just sort of bled into like the 70s culture of like television or something. Like when they did like flashback episodes or like Wonder Years or whatever, you know, like. Like I, I know we grew up in the Detroit area mm-hmm. and Heinz Park used to be like the big teenage party spot. Yeah, that's true. And like they actually had to make laws that you can't park your car on the side of the street because people were just parking cars, smoking weed, drinking. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a big thing where they go have sex in the woods. Big, big party for all teenagers. Mm-hmm. Was there a makeout point, though? Does anyone know of a makeout point that they've had? Because I'm really <laughs> curious about this. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would argue that, like, Heinz Park is probably entirely a makeout point. But but there's too many cops there. I mean. Well, not back then, though. Yeah. You know, nowadays, yeah, you know, I don't think you could. Uh, I mean, unless you walk through the park or, or ride a bike or something. You know, if you want to get murdered by an ex-murderer or something. Uh, but I... Always. <laughs> <laughs> so some of be- uh, Homer's best moments were spent at the makeout point, which he'll tell uh, tell us later. Uh, but this is not really one of them as he sits around and the guy, the limo driver is like, hey, buddy, you know, 
It's going to cost you extra if you want to hang out more. And Homer's like, I'll walk. So, yeah, that sarcastic guy's kind of a douche in this. I mean, he's... Isn't he always, though? But he's got to drive away. He could take Homer with him and drop him off somewhere a little closer than just leaving him an inspiration point to walk. Yeah, he probably should have. But But, if if he did, then we would never have the Simpsons. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Because uh, Homer starts walking home. And... Meanwhile, Marge and Artie are at Inspiration Point. Mm-hmm. Artie took Marge there, and uh, they're in the back seat. And Marge is like, I don't know about this, Artie. I'm not feeling this. I don't think this is a good idea. Why ruin a perfect night? And uh, Artie... Basically, cut it down to our listeners and censor ourselves a little. Marge wanted the fancy feast, and Artie wanted the frisky feast. <laughs> I couldn't have said it myself <laughs> Artie goes to basically slip Marge's dress off rips her her like the the like the spaghetti strap of her dress or whatever uh, I don't really know dress it's a, terminology it's not a spaghetti strap it's too big <sighs> whatever <I'm sorry. laughs> the strap of the dress I don't give a shit <laughs> so it rips it and Marge just hauls off and slaps Artie in the face and she's like take me home and Artie says my favorite line that he says, and it's such a shitty line. By He's such means. a sleaze. By all means, Sean, lay it on us. He doesn't want Marge to let anyone know about this. Not for himself, but because it would hurt the town so much to hear it. Yeah, he doesn't want the town to know about his busy fingers. What a piece of shit. Yes, Artie Ziff is a giant piece of fucking shit that is the line a douchebag says to get away with something yeah and that's pretty much what this is is Uh, him it's gonna hurt everyone else if they know no go to hell fuck you that's that's terrible i'm sorry for getting angry but Artie sucks oh yeah Artie is a piece but Artie sucks in this moment yeah i love john lovett's other characters on the show so much but Artie ziff is such a piece of shit so on the way to to be dropped off at home i i you know marge sees homer walking so she gets dropped off by Artie, and then Marge hops in the car, and we cut to to Homer, who's walking along, and someone's honking the horn, and he's like, "I," uh, and I, I do love the shot of him walking down the road with like the moon behind him and stuff. He's got his jacket for his tux thrown over uh, his shoulder. Great imagery, love it. And but the the honking is continuing, and Homer keeps moving over, and he's like, finally, like, all right, all right, I'll walk in the mud, and he stomps into the mud, and the car pulls up. And it's Marge. And he's like, Marge, what are you doing here? And she offers him a ride home. And he's like, yeah, sure. And they hop in. And uh, Marge says, I realized who I should have gone to the prom with. And Homer's like, who? She's like, and, and she says, you. And he then says what I for years got wrong in the car. Okay, because this is a great Homer line. So I'm sure you got it right there. He says, Marge Porvu. And for years, I thought it's that he was saying her last name wrong because he's an idiot. Instead of Bouvier, he was saying Porvu. And I was like, what? Like, why is that like one of the lines here? However, I only recently, when doing research for this, realized Porvu means for you. He was speaking French because he learned French from Marge. Yep. I feel like a giant idiot. And he says a great line to Marge at this moment. Ah, yes. Please lay it on us, Sean. So Homer tells Marge that, you know, he's got a problem. 
She's like, yeah, what's that? He's like, you know, you're going to stop this car and I'm going to hug you and I'm going to kiss you and I'm never going to let you go. (laughs) And then it cuts to the modern day and he says, and I never have. Uh, And meanwhile, Bart is gagging. And this episode ends. Mm Mm-hmm. So remember when I was talking about the hustle earlier in the episode? Yeah. And remembering the hustle? Sure. Every time I remember this episode, in my head, uh-huh. close to you plays in that scene. But that's because of the clip show in season six about love episodes. But oh. every time I think of it in my head, I think of that song playing in that moment. Interesting. So I can understand why Marge got that wrong, because it's just what she thinks of at the time. Because that is what I think of every time. Interesting. No, I, I can buy that for sure. I, I had to stop my episode because I was watching it digitally, and I had to throw in my DVD to make sure, like, was there, like, an issue? Like, it, it ends this way, right? It doesn't. It does not end with that song, and I've always thought it did. Interesting. Very interesting. I, uh, I, so, so, Sean, when it comes to the lasting impact of this episode... What do you what do you what do you have to say? Because I I feel like we probably have both the same idea. So we're gonna say probably the same thing that this episode basically shows us the love story between Homer and Marge, teaches us about them. It also flashback. shows us that every time they do a flashback, it's really really good. Flashback episodes are great in The Simpsons. Oh yeah, they're almost always phenomenal. But yeah, one other thing that we didn't mention in this episode yeah. is. Marge doesn't have the appearance we're used to. When Marge is in high school, she's got her hair down. It's long hair. Oh, that's right. And and when they're uh, uh, studying, quote unquote, uh, when they're talking about prom, Marge says, maybe I'll wear my hair up. And henceforth, after the uh, uh, prom begins, we'll always see Marge with her hair up. Unless she's like in water or something. Oh, sure, sure. Like if, if like there's the occasional like awkward shower scene or something in The Simpsons, they'll show, you know, with hair down. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think of her in Rancho Relaxo actually in the uh, bathtub. Bathtub, yeah, yeah exactly. Her hair is long. I uh, another great episode, man. I'm so excited for the future to keep talking about all these great episodes. I uh, so so let's go to the past real quick because we got a few minutes left here. Oh sure, sure. Let's talk about prom. Was this an, an episode anything like your prom night? No, it wasn't like my prom night either. Sean, what was your prom night like? Uh, I spent prom night in a hotel room with one of my buddies drinking uh, very expensive scotch. I uh, I hung out with my buddy Tans, and uh, we played Dungeons and Dragons together during prom because I didn't have a date. Brought it full circle back to Tans, and that was my goal. (laughs) Tans, this episode's going out to you, buddy. My prom date. <laughs> My prom date and dungeon master for, uh, or game master, if you will, for uh, Vampire the Masquerade. I just really had to bring that up at the end of that episode because we had a few minutes and I thought it was great. I'm not going to lie. I think I totally made out like a bandit oh, hell yeah. when it comes to prom dates because I think my prom date was probably better than everyone else's prom date. I had tans. Your prom date stuck around. Yeah, he did. <laughs> So, Sean, before we wrap things up, I have a bit of a problem. Yeah, what's that, Craig? Well, as you see, Sean, when this podcast episode ends, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to kiss you, and then I'm going to never let you go.